USA. I'm Tavis Smiley, and you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to see you and me back in stride again. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. All of our socials can be found at KBLA 1580. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, everything at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app. Take us with you anywhere in the world and listen to us in real time, but only by downloading our app right now at KBLA 1580. Anywhere you are, you can listen in real time, but only if you download the app right now, right now, KBLA 1580. Should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of our program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast and listen at your leisure should you miss us any day in real time. But I am delighted to have you along live with us today for the next three hours. You can also watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. And let me invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another great show on tap for you today in our second hour. A post-mortem, if you will, on the curious case of United States v. Mark Ridley Thomas with two persons who were in the courtroom for the trial. Up first, we'll be joined by acclaimed scholar and leading public intellectual, the man I have long regarded as our Du Bois, Dr. Cornell West. On the B side of our two, Dr. West and I will be joined by our justice correspondent, Dion Raymond, who covered the trial for KBLA Talk 1580 and made sure we were the first media outlet in the nation to announce the verdicts in this case. Thank you, Dion. As you know, last Thursday, L.A. City Councilman Mark Rudy Thomas was found guilty in U.S. District Court of seven felonies, including conspiracy, bribery, and fraud. Dr. Cornell West and attorney Dion Raymond join us live in our two with reflections on what they witnessed in the courtroom. In our third hour, many believe the union movement in America is on life support, despite the recent victory in the short but disruptive school strike here in Los Angeles. A conversation then in hour three with Dr. Jane uh, McAlevey about her book, Rules to Win By, Power and Participation in Union Negotiations. But we commence today's program with two more conversations. Shortly, we will speak with the relatively new president of the nation's largest theological seminary, Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, who earlier this year was named by Fuller Theological Seminary here in Southern California as its first ever African-American president. Looking forward to that conversation with President Goatley uh, in this hour after we speak right now with U.S. Congressman Adam Schiff about the indictment of former President Donald Trump. Representative Schiff, as you know, led the first House impeachment inquiry and served as lead impeachment manager during the first Senate impeachment of then-President Donald Trump. He has long served and honorably served, I should add, the city of L.A. in Congress and is currently running for the California U.S. Senate seat, presently occupied by Diane Feinstein. My great honor to welcome Adam Schiff back to this program. Congressman, how are you today? I'm good, Tom. It's great to be back with you. Good to have you back on. Thanks for your time. Let me jump in. We've got about 10 minutes here, and I know you got to run. Um, but um, first of all, your thoughts about the indictment, and I'll jump from there. Well, I think it's a, an affirmation of the principle that no one is above the law in this country, that if you violate the law, whether you're the President of the United States or an ordinary citizen, uh, that you are held accountable. Um, prosecutors, uh, and I was one of them for years in Los Angeles, uh, vowed to follow the evidence wherever it leads. That evidence led the grand jury in Manhattan to an indictment of Donald Trump. Uh, Alvin Bragg believes he can prove the president's guilt beyond reasonable doubt, uh, and he should have that opportunity, and the jury will decide. Uh, I think it's a 
sober development for the country to have a, a president brought so low, now twice impeached and indicted. Um, but it, uh, I think, is an affirmation that uh, ultimately uh, people will be held accountable, whether they're high or low. To those who say, Congressman Schiff, this is a slippery slope that we are we are on. As you mentioned, it's precedent setting; never happened before. Uh, former president brought so low, uh, to use your phrase. We've never done this, and so uh, what about concerns that many have? that we, we're lowering the bar, and at the local level, at the state level, you now have the authority in the years to come, uh, the power in the years to come to prosecute uh, sitting or former presidents, and it, it, it's, it, it's an ugly partisan brew that we're mixing here when we allow DAs in Manhattan or DAs in Fulton County in Atlanta, Georgia, Fannie Willis, who may be coming with an indictment, or for that matter, Letitia James, the AG in New York State. Uh, is this a slippery slope? for the kinds of partisan politics that Democrats will regret down the road when Republican prosecutors start doing the same thing to Democratic presidents? Uh, I think the more dangerous precedent, honestly, uh, than holding people accountable, including presidents, is not holding them accountable. Uh, should we adopt a rule that, well, if you're the president of the United States, then you get a get-out-of-jail-free card mm. uh, in any state in the Union, in federal jurisdictions, we can't hold you accountable uh, because it would be too controversial. That, to me, would be far more dangerous. And in the particular case of Donald Trump, one thing we have seen time and time again is when he is not held accountable, he goes on to commit worse and worse offenses. Uh, first, it was the Russian misconduct he wasn't held accountable for. That led to worse with Ukraine. When he's not held accountable for that, that led to literally a violent attack on the Capitol. Uh, and so I think the most dangerous thing we could do would be to ignore the evidence and say, if it's too controversial or you're too powerful, then the law can't hold you accountable. You are a former federal prosecutor yourself, uh, uh, Congressman Schiff, and so you know this stuff better than most. Um, I've read not one, not two, but countless experts who have suggested that this is not the best case, that this is not a slam dunk, that Donald Trump could, in fact, um, succeed uh, in this particular case because it's just not legally uh, the best case to bring against him. They they believe that the case being brought potentially by Fannie Willis in Georgia is a much better case. Uh, if the Department of Justice brings its case after the special prosecutor finishes his work, that would be a better case. But this might not have been the one to lead with. Your thoughts? Well, I, it's a little diff difficult to evaluate given we haven't seen the indictment yet. But assuming the indictment is what people expect, that is, it was uh, falsifying business records, covering up hush money payments to a porn star, uh, that compared to tampering with the election in Georgia, compared to the events around January 6th that the Justice Department is looking at, uh, is the, the least significant of the three cases. It's still significant. Uh, you know, campaign and business fraud is a significant crime. But the most significant, ideally, would be the one that goes first, where you have the strongest evidence. And there, I think the Justice Department only has itself to blame for moving so slowly. Mm. The Justice Department uh, moved with with alacrity when it came to the foot soldiers who broke into the Capitol and beat police officers. But it is now more than two years, and there still isn't uh, the, the, the sense of urgency that I think should have been there years ago. And so while that case logically would have gone first uh, because of the pace of the Justice Department, uh, that is not the case. Somebody had to go first. Does this embolden and empower Fannie Willis in Georgia, Letitia James in New York, the special prosecutor in D.C.? Are they emboldened now that somebody, Alvin Bragg, went first? I don't know that I would say that they're emboldened. Uh, I would say that uh, the Fulton County District Attorney has been 
moving forward with her investigation with a lot of courage and I think with a real sense of urgency. Uh, now that the investigative grand jury in Fulton County has finished its work, uh, if the district attorney believes the charges are warranted, it wouldn't take too long to present that evidence before a new accusatory grand jury. In terms of the Justice Department, because that's still, you know, some of the witnesses, key witnesses like Mike Pence and Mark Meadows, have yet to go before the grand jury, and they may appeal the rulings that have said they need to speak and they can't claim privilege, uh, that still could take more time. Uh, but I would hope that uh, if the evidence is sufficient uh, for charges, and on the January 6th committee we referred uh, the former president for prosecution to the Justice Department, I would hope that they would follow the evidence, as Merrick Garland uh, promised to do, uh, and not give Donald Trump a pass uh, because it would be difficult or it would be controversial. Um, at the end of the day, the most dangerous thing is to allow presidents, past, present, and future, to believe that they cannot be held accountable. A few minutes left. A few more topics I want to cover right quick with uh, our guest, Congressman Adam Schiff, who we're honored to have on uh, in this hour on KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, first up, um, most of the re Republican candidates, there are only a few uh, announced as yet, uh, are towing the line. That is to say, Ron DeSantis called these uh, this indictment un-American, uh, although he may challenge Trump. Uh, Mike Pence may challenge Trump. He called it outrageous. Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, as you saw yesterday, came out on one of the Sunday morning shows and said he's getting in the race uh, on the Republican side and has called for Donald Trump to get out of the race. What do you make of the way, one, the Republicans uh, seem to be, at the moment, still lining up behind him, save Asa Hutchinson? And what do you make of Trump's comments that he intends to stay in the race, never mind the indictment? Well, it, you know, it's certainly not a surprise that Donald Trump uh, plans to stay in the race and even thinks that this may uh, inert to his benefit. Um, but these other Republican candidates like DeSantis uh, show you just uh, how pathetic the Republican Party has become under Donald Trump, that DeSantis uh, has to immediately, number one, uh, lie about the proceedings in New York. Uh, number two, he has to essentially undermine the rule of law by saying, he won't extradite brought a legitimately impaled grand jury in another state. And then finally, DeSantis, in the very same statement, uh, uses the same anti-Semitic trope. your phone is starting to garble on me. Just a second here. Maybe for you, you can uh, just adjust wherever you're standing. It's garbling on me. Just a second. Uh, talk to me again. Uh, Miles, you can talk to him. Let's see if we get this. Uh, I want to get these last two questions out. And uh, this is live radio, so it, it happens sometimes. But his phone is just uh, uh, garbling on us a little bit. We're trying to see if we can uh, get him uh, 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 straightened out here. What I want to ask him, uh, what I want to ask him before I let him go, um, is, he, is it there, Miles? Let's try to get him back in a second. Um, uh, while we get uh, Congressman Schiff back on the phone right quick, uh, two other things I want to ask him if we can get him back quickly here. Uh, I want to ask him uh, uh, about uh, Donald Trump, of course, heading back to New York tonight. We're told he's flying into New York tonight. Will turn himself in uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, it appears to me and appears to you and appears to all of us, obviously, that he's making a huge spectacle out of this. And I want to ask um, about the spectacle that Donald Trump is going to make out of this indictment tomorrow and beyond. And uh, there are those who are concerned about violence in New York when he turns himself in tomorrow. I uh, want to get his take uh, on that, of course, and close with a question about how he thinks his campaign for U.S. Senate is going. So I think I've got the, the congressman back. Congressman, you were finishing up your answer. Your phone started to garble on me. I, I'd ask you what you make of Republicans, of course, uh, lining up behind him, save Asa Hutchinson, and what do you make of his uh, comment? He intends to stay in the race, Donald Trump, that is. 
Uh, it's not surprising that Trump uh, would stay in the race. Indeed, he thinks that this will help his campaign. But for others like Ron DeSantis, uh, who are in you know a single statement lying about the Manhattan District Attorney, uh, they are denigrating and undermining the rule of law by saying he won't extradite Trump, even though a legitimately impaneled grand jury in New York has indicted him. And then finally, uh, Santos drags in George Soros, this anti-Semitic trope. Uh, and this shows you the, the, the depths to which the Republican Party under Trump has descended, where in order to be competitive, you feel you need to, to lie, undermine the rule of law, and invoke uh, bigotry. Mm. But that's where DeSantis is. That's where I think uh, so many of the other Republican field are Hutchinson trying to distinguish himself. Mm. Uh, and I think uh, reflective more of uh, the uh, Republican Party that used to exist that was a party of ideology and not this cult around Donald Trump. Two questions. I'll let you go here. Um, this is clearly going to be uh, Donald Trump flying to New York tonight to turn himself in tomorrow for arraignment. This is clearly going to be a political spectacle, the likes of which we've never seen. And Donald Trump is the king of spectacle, but I can't imagine what tomorrow and beyond is going to look like. Speaking of spectacle, what are you expecting? Well, you know, you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene and other uh, reckless and irresponsible people like that calling for protests in New York City. There doesn't seem as yet to be much appetite for that, and I hope that remains the case. Uh, I would hope that the country learns something from the tragedy of January 6th, uh, not to repeat the kind of danger Donald Trump invited and incited on that day. Uh, but obviously New York is going to be fully prepared. Law enforcement will be prepared. Uh, and I'm hoping and praying it's a peaceful day. People should respect the process. The Manhattan DA has the burden of proof. He has to prove Donald Trump guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Let the case go forward. Let the jury decide. That's how our system is supposed to work. And finally, um, how's the campaign going? When we uh, talked some time ago, you were uh, in the race. There are two others who are running. Uh, Katie Porter's running. Barbara Lee is now in that race. Uh, how does Adam Schiff feel about how the race is going on his end? I feel great about it. I've been traveling up and down the state, uh, meeting with people to discuss the issues confronting Californians. Uh, I'm going to be fighting to address the economic challenges people are facing, uh, the cost, the unaffordability of housing, the homelessness crisis, concerns about public safety and, and uh, the terrible scourge of fentanyl. These are front and center in my campaign, and I'm uh, working with local, state, and federal officials in developing solutions for the entire state. He's our friend Adam Schiff. Uh, you will hear his name and see his face many, many times between now and the next election days. He's running for the seat uh, presently occupied by U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein. Congressman Schiff, always an honor to have you on. Thanks for taking our phone call. We'll do it again, my friend. Take care. Thank you. You take care. All the best to you. When we come forward, we'll commence a conversation with the uh, president of the nation's largest theological seminary, the Fuller Theological Seminary, based here in Southern California, of course. They now have their first ever African-American president, Dr. David Emanuel Goatley. And I can't wait to jump right into that conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. 